Well, we're going to continue in our series in Ephesians. This is part 10 today. We're calling this Wise or Foolish? As we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I invite you to start finding that now as we get rolling here. If you're in one of those red church Bibles, it's page 733. More than once in this series, we've, uh, we've, we've talked about identity and your identity in Christ. Uh, Pastor Stephen talked about it last week, you know, that you are a new person. You have a new nature in Christ. We dealt with it, started right with it in chapter one, and we've come back to it a number of times. Some have compared this new identity to something like when a married woman, that moment she, she drops her maiden name and takes on her, her new married name. Um, kind of a new identity. The Bible uses the metaphor of, of adoption, that when a, when a child legally becomes a part of a family that's not that child's biological family or biological parents. Um, you know, becoming a new, taking on a new identity is a little bit hard to explain uh, because it's so much more than a name change. It's, it's, like, it's like a DNA change. Your spiritual DNA changes. You're, you're, you're transformed from the inside out, even before you realize it, even before you feel it, even before you notice that something's different, you're different from the inside outward. You become a different person. So your decision to follow Jesus changed who you are and therefore changed how you live. Now, that's that's all grace. That's God's amazing grace that makes that possible. Now, I would say this. So to follow Jesus, well, that. That puts you in the camp of, of Christianity. It makes you a Christian. So does that make you religious if Christianity is a religion? And I would say I hope not. I, I hope it doesn't make you religious. And here's why. Religion, religion says to change your behavior so that your image will change. Your image before God, your image before people. So religion, change your behavior, better image. Right? Grace, by faith, says, I'm going to change your identity, so then your behavior will change. I can put it this way. Let's go to that. Yeah. You're, in religion, it's about image. It's about looking right, acting right. Right? It's, this, it's more the surface stuff. Grace is about your identity. It's internal and the change that comes as a result of it. Religion works hard to please God. In, when we understand grace, we know that God is already pleased in Christ Jesus, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So you could think of religion as behavior modification. You know, I just, I just need to behave right. Whereas grace is belief modification. I'm going to believe right. And when I believe right, behavior, lifestyle follows. So either I change my image, right, by changing my actions, that's religion. Or I let Jesus change my identity by God's grace. And I live differently by the power of of God's grace. So the external behaviors on the bottom line are probably going to look similar, but the difference is the motivation and the effort. It's all changed. It's all completely different. So I want you to understand this is where Paul keeps coming back to this understanding. Look, it's not you. It's the power of God within you to make you a new person, a new creation, a new, have a new identity. By now, I hope you found Ephesians chapter 5. And, uh, you know, if you're new to the Bible, let me just say you never need to feel bad about using the table of contents in the front. That's why it's there. Let's stand together. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 5. Big numbers of the chapters, little numbers of the verses. We're starting at chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go. Imitate God, therefore, he writes, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. 
Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. We just sang about that. We lay down our our idols. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like, the, like fools, but make, like, like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. I'm going to break this up into three sections. This is kind of a longer passage, so we'll kind of look at it in three big Chunks, starting with verses 1 through 5. Verse 1, really there, where he says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you're his dear, dear, dear children. It's tied to the previous chapter, to the thoughts that come just before this, through an important little word. Anybody know what that important little word is? Well, it's not that little. That, what's the important word that ties verse 1 to what goes before it? Therefore, right? Whenever you're reading the Bible and you see a therefore, you ask what it's... Therefore, thank you. That's cool. We must have gone to the same class. What's the therefore, therefore? Well, it's there to help us understand our identity in Christ. Look at verse chapter 4, verse 30. He says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing That you will be saved on the day of redemption. You have been identified. If you put your faith in Christ Jesus, you are guaranteed saved. You have a new identification. And so we we want to do that. And so that's why we live in keeping with that. Therefore, because of this, live like this. So he's trying to help us understand. Most importantly, he says, you know, if we're going to live as children of light, we've got to do what it says in verse 2. Verse 2 says, live a life filled with love following the example of Christ Jesus. Live a life filled with love. Well, what's love? One word. Tell me, what's love? Anybody? Caring. Love is patient. Love is kind. Action. Love is action. It's a decision. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's a number of things, right? Love, I think really, you know, for me, I really understand love as a, Sacrifice. 
Now, does that mean it's a chore? No. Does that mean it's an obligation? No. But it's a it's a sacrifice. It's giving up your life. It's giving preference to someone else in place ahead of your own self. That's what it means to love. Right. Just as Jesus sacrificed his life. Philippians 2 says that your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and humbled himself to death, even death on the cross. So there's this sense of I totally am willing to put aside. Just think about Jesus, who put aside all his all his status, all his the glory that he had coming to him, all the the all the worship of all the angels in heaven. And Jesus put all that on the shelf so that he could come and just be one of us. Normal as could be. It's a remarkable thing. And then continue to humble, humble himself living without a home. I mean, Jesus was basically homeless. Says that he had no place to lay his head and finally crucified on the cross. It's sacrifice. So to live in keeping with my new identity, it's, it has to start with love, being willing to sacrifice. We could say it this way. You want to keep your love on. Keep your love on. If we're going to live the way we're being invited to live, we're going to keep your love on. See, without love, I'm likely to live for myself. Just kind of do it, kind of feels good. Just do what's easy. Do it, you know, accumulate stuff. Um, you know, give my th- give my my worship, my attention, my my resources to things ahead of God. Anything that comes ahead of God is an idol. Anything that that's more important to me than Jesus is an idol. That's what I worship. Paul now he carries on in there. He's, he kind of warns against you know sexual immorality and greed and obscenity and coarseness and profanity. All those things. Why? Because they're not fitting for someone who lives in a new identity as a Christ follower. They're the opposite, though. Of love. If I if I love you, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not forgive you. If I love you, I'm not gonna cuss you out. If I love you, I'm not gonna take from you. If I love you, I'm not gonna withhold what you need. Love is about serving others instead of serving myself. And so for me to live in the kingdom of light, I've got to do what Jesus did, give up my rights. Now it's really interesting. We think, well, I have a right to just imagine this. You know where you know where it gets me? Traffic lights. Oh, yeah. You know what? You know, what drives me crazy when someone else runs the red light. You know why? Because they stole my right to go on the green. I feel like, hey, hey, that was my turn to go. And you just crossed right in front of me. Now, I, I don't really get that upset, but um, I notice it. Right. It's an example of saying, that's okay. I'm, I gladly give up my right for the benefit of someone else. My rights to myself. My right to be right. My right to be heard. My right to be understood. Married couples. Next week we're going to deal with relationships in the family. And, um, including husbands and wives. And there's this thing of, as couples, you give up your right to be appreciated, understood, and noticed. Because you love it all starts with love. It's not, Paul's not saying, hey, stop sinning so that you can love. Paul says, start loving so you don't sin. Right? The more you love God and the more you love people, the less you love this world and less you love all the emptiness that it offers. So love first 
Worry about the sin stuff later. He's not saying, hey, put away sin, then you can love. No, start with love. As imperfect as we are, as sinful as we are, as much as we mess it up. Love's like a, love's like a flu shot, but a flu shot that actually works instead of whatever, 6% of the time that they say it does. I don't get flu shots in case you didn't figure that out by my comment. But love is like a flu shot. It's an inoculation against greed, against immorality, against selfishness, against idolatry, against crude living. So keep your love on. And then from there, Paul carries on in the next verses. He expresses sort of a mixture of warning and encouragement. He's warning people to watch out for those who claim to be believers, right? But they live like unbelievers, and then the encouragement is to say, look, you're in the kingdom of light, so, so live like it. Now, it's not your light, it's the light of Christ within you, right? But His light produces what is right and good. Verse 9, actually, you know, kind of if you were to go back to the, the Greek language, it literally says the fruit of the light. You know, the fruit of light, the light produces within you. What is good and right and true. That's, that's the product of light within you. Um, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I've got a picture here from Jerusalem. I didn't actually take this picture because I'm not very good at taking pictures. But we were there. That's it. That's, that's considered the citadel or also called the Tower of David. David didn't build that tower. It's not that old. Um, well, that's, that's the walls of Jerusalem. And you, know, you, you go out at night and it's just like there's lights everywhere. It's like, oh. Jesus also said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Why? Because the light shines. It's amazing. Jesus said, that's you. You're the light of the world. The world's a dark, evil place. And you're it. You're the light. So, second one. Keep your light on. If you're following in your notes, keep your light on. I actually put a typo in there. Just keep the light on. Just say, keep your light on. Keep your light on. It's not just... Metaphorical. There's something really powerful about the lights being on. Something really enlightening about light. This this week, I have a men's group that's starting. Guys, if you're you're all invited to come, 6:30 in in my office on Thursday mornings. We spend an hour doing devotions together. We'll just go through the R and R journal. Love for you to come. I put the coffee on. This week, I was. Uh, <clears throat> was here, I was getting the coffee on. It was a little after six on Thursday, and there was a police officer in the parking lot. And uh, I said, hey, officer, nice to see you. And he said, oh, I just write my reports here. Watch out for you guys. And he says, uh, I said, you know, is there anything else we could be doing to keep this parking lot safe? He said, oh, the number one thing is keep the lights on. That's, that's your best deterrent. Keep the lights on. There's something about the light that chases away evil and darkness. I've got a picture here of um, I'm inside of a place called Hezekiah's Tunnel. So this is in Jerusalem. Um, Almost 3,000 years ago, King Hezekiah of Judah, the, the Syrian army was coming against Jerusalem. They were going to siege the place. He's like, oh, no, we don't have any water in the city, regular access inside the city walls. So his engineers dig a tunnel through solid rock, about 500 and some meters, through so that they could get uh, the water from the Gihon Spring into Jerusalem, the, what's called the Pool of Siloam. You read that in the New Testament. And they found this tunnel. And so you get to walk through or, you know, ankle deep in, in the water of the Gihon Spring. It's totally, it's just totally amazing. My favorite thing that we did while we're there. But you see, I have a light on my head because I have the headlamp going because there's no lights in there. And it's like a dark, zigzaggy tunnel. So guess what happens when the light goes out? I tried it. I tried it. Turn the lights off. Can't see a thing. 
It's dark. Keep your light on. It makes it possible to move, to keep going. Um, when I was dating my wife, um, her dad had a, had a midnight curfew. She had to be home by midnight. And why? He had this thing. He says, nothing good happens after midnight. Boys. Right? It's like, it's still true. Like, when you hear about bad stuff, it's typically, you know, at 1 a.m. this morning, such and such. Like, what were you doing out at 1 a.m.? Go home, go to bed. Or whatever. So... Um, verse 12, Paul says it's shameful to even mention what, the, what these people do in secret. So keep your, keep your light on. Paul actually has a, a train of thought here starting at verse 8. He says, live as people of the light, the second part of verse 8. And then verse 9 really should be in parentheses. In the NIV it is, but it's kind of a parenthetical statement. Live as people of the light, for the light within you produces only what is good and right and, and true. And then carries his thought on, so carefully determine what pleases the Lord, verse 10. Or um, if you were to go a little more, more literally from the language, find out or literally proving what is well-pleasing to the Lord. So he's saying, live as people of the light, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. Your very life is proof to others of God's graciousness, of God's existence, of God's ev- you know, it's evidence for God. That's what your life is. So I would just encourage you, be the person who lights up a room. Be the, be the person that people love it when you show up, whether it's your family members, your co-workers. Bring your smile. Bring, bring the light wherever you go. Be positive. Be encouraging. Be the person who will expose the darkness. Be, be the person who's, who's not afraid to say, hey, guys, let's change the subject. Or, hey, guys, let's change the channel. Be that person. And bring your light and keep it on. And then the Verses 15 to 20 carry on with, with one more kind of chunk here. Be careful how you live. He says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. I would, I would summarize it like this. Keep your purpose on. Keep your purpose on. Now, how is this passage about purpose? Well, purpose is about knowing why you're here. What, what, why, why do you exist? What, why are you on this earth? What are you about in your life? That's your purpose. And you, it's up to you to figure that out. In your life. And um, I, I would say there's at least seven ways here that Paul tells us how to live so that we can, can you know, be in the light, living with purpose and living with wisdom in our lives. So seven things. First of all, to live carefully. I would say live carefully. Verse 15 says, you know, be careful how you live. It literally, again, it's see that you walk carefully. You know, it's like, it's like hiking on a path. You know, you go, you go hiking the Sierras. And you, you kind of have to, some of those paths, you kind of have to watch where you're going. Because maybe it's some loose shale or it's bumpy rocks or there's roots sticking up. Walk carefully in your life. Pay attention to where you're going. Don't just drift along with the crowd. Don't be like the 12 or more people this year that have died taking selfies. Do you know that? There's at least a dozen deaths worldwide attributed to selfies so far this year. Because people are doing something dumb like this. Getting, I'm just going to get close to the edge of the cliff and they lose their life. Now, you can say what you want about, you know, it's, you know, the selfie. Say if you don't die taking a selfie, you might die when someone takes your selfie stick and hits you with it. But um, I'm just full of my opinions today, aren't I? But look, it's about, that's about impulses. That's about self-focused living. Nothing against taking a selfie. We took a number of selfies on our trip. Um, uh, but it's this thing of, I'm not going to live by impulses. I'm going to live carefully. I'm going to think about it. 
what I'm up to, what I'm doing, where I'm going, how I'm spending. Right? Secondly, we would say to live wisely. He carries on, not as foolish, he says, but as those who are wise. See, not everything is a matter of right or wrong. Some things are just a matter of wise or foolish. You get into a situation, is it right or wrong? Religion says, just tell me what's right or wrong. Just give me the rules. And grace says, I'm not going to give you the rules. I'm going to say, live wisely. Make a wise choice. Do, do the right thing based on what's wise. Okay, now you're sufficiently cooled off, aren't you? Now we can hang meat. <laughs> Bob, no, just leave it. All right, just turn up the lapel on your jacket and we'll carry on. Um, you can ask yourself this. What would a wise person do in this situation? If, you, if you've got a scenario, what would a wise person do? Maybe it's a situation in your business. Maybe you've got a relationship situation. Maybe you're trying to parent your kids. Maybe you're wondering what to do. Um, uh, lifestyle choices around food or alcohol or exercise, exercise, whatever it is. What would a wise person do? And then do that. Because you probably already know what a wise person would do. You might say, well, I'm not that wise. Yeah, but what would a wise person do? Then do that. Right? Third one is to say to live opportunistically. Man, I had to get on spell check for that one. Live opportunistically. Literally, it's about redeeming the time, buying back the time, exchanging, exchanging your time for something worthwhile. Time is a precious, precious commodity. It's easy to waste. It goes and doesn't come back, right? Another way to think of this is kind of live with your eyes open. Watch for ways and places the Lord may be leading you. Try something different that you haven't, you haven't done before. Take a risk. Learn something new, right? Give generously. Live generously. I would just say, say yes unless you have a reason to say no. Say yes unless you have a reason to say no. Now, I'm not going to talk now about boundaries and Balancing your life and so on. That's up to you. But just think about the coupon exchange. You go to the grocery store. You, you hand over your little coupon for 25 cents. And they take 25 cents off the price of the, the bag of flour that you're going to buy. You've exchanged. You've taken the coupon. You've exchanged something of value. That's what you're to do with your time. Exchange your time for something of value. Live opportunistically. Right? Fourth one is verse 18. He says, now don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life or that leads to debauchery. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to answer the question here. Can Christians drink alcohol? That's really not the point of this statement. But it's a good example of the wise and foolish question. What would the wise thing be? What would the wise thing be to do? Right? Um, Alcohol, obviously, was common in Paul's day. And so it's a warning specifically against drunkenness. And just keep in mind that foolish things happen when people start drinking or they use marijuana or other drugs. Right yesterday in Oklahoma, a 25-year-old gal who's under the influence of alcohol drove her car into a parade route, killed four people, injured 47 more. It seemed fun probably at the time. When she was popping them back. Life's ruined. The life of her family. Be wise. Don't, don't, don't live drunkenly. Live soberly. Um, you know, uh, it's about not surrendering control of your mind or not surrendering your better judgment to substances such as alcohol, marijuana, other drugs. 
There's pain meds, and those are risky too. Those have those and addictive risks. But from speaking specifically of using substances for a thrill or for recreation or for an escape, that's foolish behavior. And, and it doesn't please the Lord. And if you're struggling, let me just tell you, get to a meeting. We have AA that meets in our resource building back here 13 times a week. Get to a meeting. You won't regret getting help. You won't regret not drinking, not being drunk. Fifth one is to live spirit fully. Live spirit fully. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's saying, look, there's something more more satisfying than, than drunkenness. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How, how can that be? How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Isn't it a sovereign work of God? I don't have control over the Holy Spirit. How can I be filled with the Spirit? The grammar is tricky here. It's called, an act, it's called, a, called um, a passive imperative. Passive means it doesn't say fill yourself with the Spirit, but be filled, receive. But it's an imperative, which means it's a command. Be filled. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he says to do. So you're actively participating in the presence of the Holy Spirit filling your life. I don't know really an easy way to explain this, but think about Think about a bathtub. You're going to take a bath and you, you run the water, right? What's the one thing you need to do besides turning on the water? Put the stopper in, put the plug in, right? If you don't, the bathtub's never going to fill up. Think about that. The Holy Spirit's flowing, he's flowing, he's flowing. And you're like, man, I'm just not really getting filled up. Put the stopper in. Now, what does the stopper look like in your life? I, I don't know. Well, that's, you've got to figure that out. Is that, is that time in fellowship? Is that time in worship? Is that time in the Word? Is that learning to pray? Is that learning to meditate? Is that, is that saying no to something so you can say yes to Jesus? What's it going to be? Put the stopper in. Fill the tub. And do it every day. He goes on. He adds to that. You know, fill with the Spirit. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. I would say this, live musically. Live musically. Some of you think, oh, I can't sing to save my life. Or some of you said, I've listened to Christian music on the radio. I can't stand it. Um, others, you just love it. So there's like lots of preferences. We have different you know, impressions on that. But it's about making music privately. That's in your heart, he says. And corporately with one another. We just sang a bunch of songs. Every Revival movement, every Holy Spirit movement through history has always brought a, a whole wash of new music. Most recently, the Vineyard movement's done that. The Hillsongs movement's done that. Bethel Church is doing that. Every time there's a new work of God, there's a whole bunch of new music that comes. Why? Because music has an amazing power to lock in truths, helps you remember stuff, makes it, you know, there's very little that I say today that you're going to remember by Wednesday. But one or two of those songs we said might still be rattling around your head. Now, if you love the song, that's great. If you don't, you're going to be, you know, like, oh, I can't get that song out of my head. But that's the power of music to lock something in and keep reminding you. That's what the Holy Spirit will help you with. Worship is to God, but it's also to each other. We're helping one another. He says psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, three kind of songs there. Psalms are, are scripture words. Right. Songs that are that are directly from Scripture, like um, today is the day you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. We sing that song sometimes. That's a that's a that's a psalm because it's right from the words of Scripture. A hymn is 
is a song that tells me about God or teaches me theology. We sang, we started to sing today, forever you are faithful, forever you are kind, strong. Thank you. Apparently that one's not locked in my head just enough, but you, you know what I'm saying? That's a hymn because that's teaching us a truth about God. A spiritual song is something that's a testimonial. It might be in the spirit, so singing in tongues, or it might be a, a song that's more of a testimony. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. That's a, that's a spiritual song. So I'm messing with your categories a little bit. Don't think just because it got printed in a book, that makes it a hymn. That book has psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The ones that are on the screen, they're psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're supposed to sing all of them. So... Put some of that in your life. Play the radio, you know, download some good music, use Pandora, whatever it is. That music helps to keep your purpose on through your day, through your life. All these things help you keep your purpose on. And there's one more is that, that's this, to live thankfully. Live thankfully. This honestly should be easy for us, and I don't know why uh, we, it isn't really... Obviously, we need to be reminded, because Scripture keeps telling us, be thankful, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Right? For some reason, the Bible has to remind us repeatedly. He, he says, um, um, verse, verse 20, give thanks for everything. It, it, it's literally, give thanks all the time for everything. So we say, thank you, but remember... We do so in the name of Jesus, and we are thanking, giving our thanks to God. You can't just be a thankful person. You need someone to express your thanks to. That's how thankfulness works. It's a great antidote to discouragement, to entitlement, to selfishness, to jealousy, to loss even. When you say thanks, you can do that. You know, if you wander over there later on that missions info board and look at a bunch of those pictures of the mud and everything else that's happening in Baguio City right now. Uh, Pastor Sam told me one of the one of the brothers who's the retaining wall washed out. The mud flowed up against the house, went all in the house. And uh, Pastor, uh, Brother Mario and Brother Mario was praising God that they were all OK. Now, I, I don't know how you'd feel if you came home and your house was full of mud. Would you say, well, oh, praise God. This is all. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Probably not your first response. And this guy is saying, I'm, I'm just thankful that we're all okay. That's a thankful life. I want to be like that. So, let's, be, let's learn to live thankfully. I would say make it your goal to be the most thankful person you know. Make it your goal to be the most thankful person that you know. In fact, right now I would say this. I'm going to have you practice. I'm going to have you turn to somebody and you're going to say, I'm thankful to God for. So think about what it is. Right? Worship team, I'm going to invite you. You get out of this one. I'm going to invite you to come to join me on stage here while we do this. You ready? I want you to turn to somebody and say, I'm thankful to God for. It's, uh, friends, it's easy to live like everybody around us. The Christ follower lives differently. We live to a new, different standard. Why? Because we're living to match our identity. You're not living to achieve an identity. You're living to match the identity you already have in Christ. You might like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not deserving. I'm not worthy. I don't, I don't feel it. But God's already given that to you when you put your faith in Him. 
So it's a choice to live foolishly or wisely. Which will it be for you? Are you going to live foolishly or are you going to live wisely? You know, the Apostle Paul called his time these evil days. And I, I don't think we're much better off now. There's a lot of trouble around, a lot of darkness and evil. But we're called to be wise, light-filled, light-casting people around us for the glory of God. Keep your love on. Keep your light on. Keep your purpose on. You do it by living carefully and wisely and opportunistically and soberly and spiritfully and musically and thankfully. It's what God's made for you to be. It's what God's made for our church to be. You sang a song when you were a kid. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it. I'm not going to hide it under a basket. I'm not going to cover it up. I'm going to let it shine. All around the neighborhood, I'm going to let it. Right? That's, that's, that's our call. Too many times we've been guilty of we turn the lights on, but we close the door. So, so we just kind of, kind of huddle together. And it's, it's never, we never meant to do that, but it's kind of what seems to happen. And Jesus says, let it shine. You're a city on a hill. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. God's place is here for a reason. We have a purpose. It's no accident that we're at the corner of Maple and Shepherd. It's no accident that I live on North Bergen Avenue. It's no accident that, that you live in whatever street where you are today. God wants you to shine right there. It's no accident that you teach at this school or you work at that office. God wants you to shine right there. He's made it possible. The light is already in you, given to you by Jesus Christ. You don't have to manufacture anything. It's already yours. Let it shine. Let's let it shine. Let's live wisely, not as fools.